I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores. Darnell Nurse. Raleigh takes the snap. Settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch. And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Looky here. It's the long weekend, everybody. Hope you have a great one planned. Thanks a lot for starting it off with Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630. Chad, my name is Reed Wilkins. Man, we have a lot to get to tonight. Of course, we'll talk about Labor Day, Eskimos and Stampeders coming up on Monday, 11.30 in the morning for the pregame show. The game will start at 1 as the Eskimos try to end a long drought on Labor Day. Calgary has won six in a row. The Edmonton Oil Kings rolling into their preseason. We'll touch uh, base with the uh, Edmonton Oilers and and their farm affiliate, the Bakersfield Condors, and Canada West football starting tonight. The Alberta Gold, uh, the Alberta Golden Bears in Saskatchewan for a seven o'clock kickoff. CFL tonight, last minute of the first quarter. It is Montreal leading Ottawa three-one. And of course, the Eskimos continue to prepare for Calgary. And the Labor Day Classic has been the Labor Day nightmare for the Green and Gold. Finch again has to backpedal to the twenty-yard line, up across the twenty. Five. He tries to cut to the middle. He's got some room to the 50, the 55. Finch heads to the outside. He, no one's going to catch him. He gets to the 10, the 5, and into the end zone. A 90-yard punt return. The punt was great, 58 yards, but it went 90 the other way, and the Stampeders are starting to run away with it. That was in the second quarter last year. It put the Stampeders up 25-3 on the way to a 39-18 victory. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Ched, and the voice you heard in that call, play-by-play voice for the green and gold, it's Morley Scott. Morley, how you doing? I'm good, Reed. How are you tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining me. I, I know you've been up early filling in for Bruce on the morning show and still doing all your Eskimos coverage and prep, so thanks for making time for me here this evening. And uh, before we get into what we might expect on uh, Monday, I, I am looking back. I, I think you have called an Eskimos win on Labor Day, but I think it's just one. Yep, 2011 was uh, the only win that I've called on Labor Day. Of the eight I have seen so far, the first one 
Back in 2010, the uh, Stampeders put up 50-plus points against the Eskimos. Uh, the next year, the Eskimos won in 2011, and they haven't won since. They've only won in the series, the Labor Day series with the home-and-home games. Uh, they've only won uh, twice in my time, once in Calgary and Labor Day and once uh, in the rematch back in 2015. It's been tough. Uh, Ricky Ray was the last quarterback to start a game for the Eskimos on Labor Day to win. Since then, there's been... I think Matt Nichols, Kerry Joseph, uh, and uh, James Franklin, and Mike Riley all starting games since then. None of them have won yet. On Labor Day, it's uh, it was Ricky Ray back in 2011. So it's been a long drought for sure, and uh, the Eskimos are trying to figure out how to win on the first Monday in September. It's not easy in Calgary for sure. The last Eskimos sweep in this series was back in 2004, the Stampeders have swept it five of the last six years and eight times since Edmonton last swept it. Uh, I mean, the Stampeders beat the Eskimos a lot. The Stampeders have really beat everybody a lot, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, in the last... That's, that's uh, part of it. I know we yeah. talked with, with Jason Moss on Monday night in the coaches' show, and he said, you know, you know, it's tough to beat Calgary on, on Labor Day, and it's like we determined it's tough to beat Calgary anytime. They've just been a real good football team for the last 10 years. They've only lost virtually a handful of games in the last five or six years. So uh, they're a team that's hard to beat no matter when you play. Morley, what's it like, uh, just a, a quick behind-the-scenes look, what's it like calling a game in McMahon Stadium? And I'm going to, I want you to answer this from two different angles, Morley, and you're going to love me for this. The vibe of the st- of the game, plus the facility itself. <laughs> well, McMahon Stadium is now probably the oldest, uh, I guess, uh, of the stadiums in the Canadian Football League. It's uh, one of the hardest to, to work out of. What I don't like about it is the fact that there's there's no windows to open in the press box, and that uh, I love to have the open air to hear the crowd and to hear the the PA announcement and hear the helmets crashing sometimes. But in Calgary, all they have is two little two little flap windows at the top of the press box. So we're working behind glass for most of the game. So it's really hard. Uh, you know, we have crowd mics and everything, but it's really hard in the booth to get the sense of the excitement and the crowd noise and everything, which is tough. And uh, it's pretty high. It's not as high as it is in Hamilton, which is probably the highest uh, press box there is in the CFL. Uh, it's pretty high in uh, in Calgary as well. So it's uh, it's not a great place to do a game from. Add into the fact that the Eskimos lose there most of the time when they play, and that doesn't make it any any easier or any more fun to broadcast games from McMahon Stadium. Well, and I think it's worth noting, too, and by the way, you were very polite in your answer about McMahon Stadium, a lot more polite than texts I get it from Eskimos fans who go down for games. But, I mean, we've got to remember that Calgary Next project that has been sort of shelved in, in Calgary because of the, the arena issues, that wasn't mm-hmm. just a, a, an arena for the Flames. That was a new football facility, too, because they realized they... They'd like to replace McMahon at, at some point. So I think that I know everybody yeah. talks about, you know, the Flames are, I guess, kind of the bigger story because there's fear they could leave if they don't ever get a new stadium. But the Flames own the Stamps, and they, they want a new football facility too. Yeah, they, they do. And it's uh, I don't know what they're going to do because they seem to be running into a, into a brick wall to get it done. Calgary next, that came out, what, three, four years ago, and they still haven't made any, any moves forward from that point on. But, yeah, McMahon Stadium, it's a tough place. 
it's a tough place to work if you're in the media. And I know no one really cares about that because they just want to watch the football game or hear the football game. But, uh, yeah, it is old. It's beat up. And uh, they need a new one pretty quickly. I'm, I was actually quite surprised they got the Great Cup for next year because I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's not a very good facility to hold a lot of media. It doesn't. Uh, it's not a very good facility to do a lot of things in, but uh, they got the Great Cup, and uh, I guarantee it next year's Great Cup in Calgary will be the last one that McMahon Stadium will ever see. That Well, that was a curious one, because I think you and I heard the same thing, that both Calgary and Edmonton bid for this year, and Calgary bid for it thinking and hoping they would lose so they could hold yeah. their hands up, you know, kind of shrug their shoulders to city council and be like, hey, hey come we on, we can't even get a Great Cup. All that like, money that comes with it because yeah. we don't have a good enough stadium, but... Uh, they ended up getting it for 2019, and like I say, it's going to be the last one there. Uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be a fun time. I don't think in the Man Stadium covering the Great Cup in, uh, next year. All right, Morley Scott, Eskimos play-by-play voice, joining us on 6:30 chat. So, from an Eskimos perspective, uh, and you and Dave have been at practice, uh, and you know this this is kind of a weird week because it's it's not a bye week, but it's it's a longer week, and there's still a practice tomorrow and a walkthrough on Sunday. Um, but do we anticipate any any lineup changes, especially defensively, given uh, given how they you know they got shredded on a couple drives in the fourth quarter? It, it's hard to tell. They've been mixing and matching a little bit uh, with some of their players on on defense. But as of right now, all the players who played last week have been seeing have been seeing reps uh, uh, for the Eskimos uh, in the defensive backfield. They've been they've been mixing a few guys in and out and maybe changing positions around a bit. But it's too it's too hard to tell. This early in practice, we'll get a better feel for it and what they're trying to accomplish tomorrow when we watch their their final full practice of the week before their walk to on Sunday and then the bus ride uh, to Calgary. But yeah, the, the, I wouldn't be surprised if they change up a few things the way they operate. Uh, we'll, we'll see. They, you know, defensively, it was not a great game defensively, but they didn't get any help offensively in the last game they played in Hamilton. And I think because. Uh, the defense didn't play well. That made it look worse for the offense, and because the offense didn't play well, that made it look worse for the, uh, worse for the defense in that game in Hamilton. They didn't help each other out. Complimentary football is a phrase that Jason Moss likes to use a lot. They didn't get any of that in the Hamilton game, and they got to get back to that somehow uh, going into Calgary because there's you got to do so much right to beat Calgary. I mean, there is absolutely zero room for error. You can't take bad penalties. You can't take a quarter off. You certainly can't take three quarters off uh, like the Eskimos did offensively, especially in the game in Hamilton. you got to be there from start to finish. It's not easy to win in Calgary, and you've got to help yourself because it's uh, they're a good football team all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if they, I wonder if they might look at Money Hunter coming back in defensively. I know that's he's, a possibility. He, yeah. I would think uh, I would think that might be a possibility. Yeah. Well, like I said, we'll wait. And we'll see more tomorrow, probably when they practice. Uh, uh, as they get closer to game game time, you can pretty much see the lineup a little bit more clear and what's going to happen offensively. I don't think they're going to make uh, any changes uh, to the offense, which uh, means that uh, Vidal Hazelton will stay uh, in the lineup, and uh, we uh, we won't see much, if at all, of uh, Bryant Mitchell in the football. Okay, you you read my mind there because that's the question I've been getting yeah, asked the I, most. I, I'd like to, interesting thing about that, and I know everyone uh, kind of shakes their head a little bit about that, but just uh, to, to let people in on on Jason Moss's thinking on that, and we we had a conversation with him about it. Uh, he's a real firm believer, and you don't lose your job to injury if you're a, if you're a veteran starter. You don't lose your job to injury, and that's why Vidal Hazelton got back in the lineup last week. And and everyone talked, well, it must be really hard for uh, for Mitchell, who had such a great game. Uh, playing, you know, he had the hundred yards, he had the touchdown, but he knew in that game he wasn't going to play the following week in Hamilton. He was told before that he says, "You're in, and you're in today, and you're getting an opportunity." But Hazelton will be ready next week, and he'll be back in. So 
he knew going in. So it's not as kind of unfair as a lot of people thought. And and, and on that time frame, uh, Moss also says veteran players don't lose their jobs to injury, but they still have to come back and keep their jobs, right? They right. still have to keep their job and they still have to make keep making plays week in and week out so i think Vidal hazelton uh will and anybody in that offense because there's a guy who is so good in and is ready and waiting to play and has had a pretty good game his last game out i think anybody in that offense who doesn't perform on a on a regular basis is is going to get uh, the opportunity maybe to sit and watch brian mitchell all right and the return game uh i know it's been jamil smith but is jordan robinson healthy again too yeah, he's been out. He's been practicing. Smith hasn't been in practice for a couple of days, so there might be a team okay. there. Uh, we'll have to wait and see till the official rosters come out. But, uh, yeah, the return game is a little bit up in the air going into the game on uh, Monday. All right. Uh, Montreal kicks a field goal early in the second quarter to go up 6-1 on Ottawa, who uh, are, are the first-place team in the East. Montreal obviously struggling with just a couple of victories. i got to say, Dave, or uh, Morley, this, this Pipkin kid isn't bad. I mean, he's quite calm. He makes the throws. Uh, like it's it's funny because they acquire Manzel, he gets hurt, and Pipkin's been playing, and I, I don't think Pipkin has hurt. I mean, his the pick six he threw last week, he was on the money. His receiver tipped it up and yep. like dropped it, and, well, like reverse and, dropped and what it. What happens? Yeah. What happens tonight if a Darius Bowman's able to hang on to that bomb on the first play of the game? Yeah, exactly. It? I mean, uh, the kid has no fear. That's for sure. He's got a great arm. He went real deep on that first play to Bowman, who couldn't handle it, and. Uh, maybe he gets a, a touchdown right off the bat, changes the complete complexion of that football game. Although the Alouettes are winning right now with a couple of field goals, but I, I really like Pipkin. He's been he's been pretty good. It's funny you, you you think about the Johnny Manziel situation and the guy who started the game against the Eskimos in Montreal before Manziel came in or just after the trade was made was Vernon Adams, and then the guy who started the game uh, after Manziel got hurt, uh, he played two games was was Pipkin, and those two guys probably played better than Manziel did at the two games before him. So uh, they're going to have, especially if they win tonight, they're going to have uh, a real uh, quarterback controversy going on because you know the situation with Mansell, right? He's got to play at some point. Yeah. And, uh, otherwise, you know, they got an issue on their hands. So, uh, But you got to go with the guy who wins, don't you? You would think, especially when you've only well, got one win all year. Well, and if, they, if, they, year. if they walk into Ottawa and beat Ottawa with Pipkin at quarterback, you'd think he's, he'd earned, he's earned the chance to start again, for sure. Yeah, and all of a sudden, you know, in the East, that gives you three wins, and I mean, if uh, one of the Hamilton and Toronto sweep the Labor Day series that they play. All of a sudden, you're back in it. Yeah. Morley, thanks for coming on tonight, man. Look forward to hearing your call on Monday. Hopefully, the Eskimos make it a good one and uh, maybe end this long drought on Labor Day. Talk to you soon, buddy. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's always, it's always a great week. The results aside, the week is great because everybody's talking football. I had, interesting, I had a good talk with Alex Bazzi this week about it. He's really excited to play in the game because he's been, the CFL career has been in BC so far. And, you know, they're the orphans of Labor Day, right? Yeah. They don't get to play on Labor Day. Uh, so he's excited to be in one of these rivalry games that he's only spent time watching for his first three years in any football. Like, so it's a great week. Everybody's talking football. I love it. It's going to be fun. All right, that is Morley Scott checking in, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Eskimos. 11.30 in the morning on Monday is the pregame show. The game will start at one. It is 6.20. You can always reach out by texting 6.30, You are welcome to call 780-496-0063. More. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. 
And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. We're on uh, Labor Day with Glenn Harper as we move along. Edmonton Oil Kings general manager, Kurt Hill, will join us too. For breaking news and expert opinion, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chen. Stuart Parks, Tuba Hubbard running back for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. In action last night, Oklahoma State beat Missouri State 58 17. Hubbard getting seven carries for 42 yards, had three receptions for 65 yards and a touchdown. So on the day, 10 touches for 107 yards. Obviously not a, a tough opponent for Oklahoma State, but good to see Hubbard getting in action. He is a, a redshirt freshman. 6.24 is the time of the evening. Hope your Labor Day weekend is off to a wonderful start. The Edmonton Eskimos, 6-4 and four on the season, but two disappointing road losses in their last three outings where they were, uh, well, steamrolled in the second half in Vancouver and then in, Had- in uh, Hamilton as well. Here's quarterback Mike Riley. There's no doubt that's what you're always trying to accomplish, you know, every game that you play. Um, you know, but as the season goes on, that's what you're trying to build towards. You're never going to go out and play what you feel like is a perfect football game. Um, but we've had a lot of games where there's been stretches that we played really good football, um, but we've we've also played not good football. You know, in in the same game. So consistency is certainly the key. Um, you know, when you're playing against good football teams like Calgary, that that's the way that you're going to you're going to win is you go out and you play well and you do it consistently throughout the entire game. Um, you know, they're, they're very disciplined. They're a team that, you know, doesn't hurt themselves and they come out and if you're going to beat them, you got to play four quarters of good football, but it's not just against them. You know, as you get later into the season, when, you know, you start getting into playoff football, that's how it is too. So um, that's why Labor Day is always, you know, kind of where you mark on your calendar that you want your team to really start to, to make that push so that you start getting that feeling of playing good, consistent four quarters of football uh, so that by the time that the playoffs hit, you're in a position to be in the playoffs and you're playing your best football. All right, a little bit there from Mike Riley as the Eskimos try to put together a, a more complete game. And, and I think the concern for me, I mean, look, I, I, don't, I don't expect 60 minutes of domination but I think you can hope for 60 minutes of, of, of staying in it and playing solid and at least making the other team beat you as opposed to beating yourself or totally going away. And that's been a concern for me for the Eskimos. When, when they have a tough stretch, whether it's 10, 15, 20 minutes or an entire half, uh, it, it gets out of hand. Uh, and, I, and I've used this a lot. It, if, if you're going to lose, you might lose a quarter every now and then, but you know you got to keep it under control so you lose the quarter 7-3, not... 14 nothing or, or 17-3 or something like that. And the Eskimos, for the most part, have not been able to do that. John texting in, he says, Reed, I love my Eskimos. My family has had season tickets for over 40 years. They will be lucky to keep it within 30 points on Monday. Calgary is going to steamroll us. If I'm wrong, I will be the first to text your show next week and admit it. Well, John, look, man, the, I'm worried about that too. I, I'm worried about that too. Calgary is the best team in the league. Uh, they've beaten Edmonton a lot recently. They've beaten everybody a lot recently. I mean, think think of the discussion. We're, as good as we're saying Calgary is, think of the discussion that we're having if, if they'd actually won the last two 
Grey Cups, which were both close losses to teams that they, they would beat most of the time. But they didn't do it in the biggest games. I mean, if they'd win those those games, we're talking about this season probably being, you know, in a way less interesting than it is. And we're talking about Calgary becoming the first team to win three consecutive Grey Cups since the Eskimo five-in-a-row dynasty of the late 70s and early 80s. And we're talking about them having a really, really good chance to do it. Glenn Harper, who played for both teams, is going to join us in studio later on in the show. Kurt Hill, general manager of the Oil Kings, will check in from Red Deer, where the Oil Kings are getting set for a preseason game. That's coming up next. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Montreal leading Ottawa. Six minutes left in the first half. CFL Labor Day weekend is underway. Blue Jays in action against the Miami Marlins. Marlins lead at 5-zip in the bottom of the fifth. Tennis... Milos Raonic in a 5-5 tie in the first set with Stan Wawrinka. And earlier today, another Canadian, this is third-round action, Denis Shapovalov taking fifth seed Kevin Anderson to a fifth set, but Anderson wins the match 4-6, 6-3, 6-4, 4-6, And the Williams sisters are playing each other tonight. And it is Serena leading Venus 4-1 in the first set. You can text 630-630, our phone number is 780-496-0063. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. Alberta Golden Bears football getting set to go at the top of the hour against the Saskatchewan Huskies. And also at 7, preseason WHL action in Red Deer, the Edmonton Oil Kings taking on the Rebels. And I really appreciate Oil Kings general manager Kurt Hill taking time to join us just shortly before the game. Kurt, thanks for coming on tonight. How are you doing? I'm doing well, getting ready to go here in uh, Red Deer. Awesome stuff. Well, I appreciate you checking in. So you got the Rebels tonight, and then you stay in Red Deer and play Kootenai tomorrow afternoon. Is that the plan? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the two games here, and then we'll be back home uh, tomorrow night. Okay, Uh, good stuff. Well, tell me a little bit about uh, how camp has gone so far. I know obviously uh, you you had the rookie camp last weekend with some of your younger players. How many many guys were you taking a look at there, and uh, what do you think of some of the talent in the pipeline? Yeah, you know, the rookie camp, we had all of our uh, draft picks in the past two years attend that camp, and, uh, you know, a really good opportunity to evaluate them. And then a couple, uh, obviously, the other players that come there, you want to see how their summers have progressed and potentially list a few of those guys, adding them to our protected list. So uh, we felt the rookie camp went well and uh, ended up bringing some of those players over to main camp as well. How many players have you kept on hand for main camp total? Well, we had, we started main camp with 60, and now we're here for exhibition season where you're uh, we're at 34 players here to start the weekend. Okay. Um, 
how many spots do you think are are legitimately up for grabs on your team, Kurt? Oh, you know, I think now with Texas Vision starting, it's going to give us a little bit more of a an idea to evaluate some of the some of the spots we feel we we might potentially have, whether that's um, guys that have been here ordering those spots, or if we think we're in a spot where um, we want some young guys to take on those spots. It's, uh, you got to kind of consider a lot of factors if you're going to keep young players too, because you got to get them in the game to make sure that they're playing to develop. Right, Kurt Hill, Oil Kings general manager, joining us tonight. Inside Sports on on six thirty. Chet, uh, I, I know we're 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 we haven't even started here yet, Kurt, but we we know in uh, in junior hockey there are cycles. Um, you had uh, a lot of Saskatchewan teams and, and uh, players in that East Division looking really really good last season. Uh, the Alberta teams in Kootenay, you know, that division maybe wasn't as strong. Do you sense that there there might be a little bit of resurgence in Alberta this year, or how do you feel it's looking? Oh, I do for sure, yeah. You look at some of the teams, and Calgary made a lot of moves with last year's deadline to get younger and, and better. And, uh, Medicine Hat should have a, a good team. Red Deer always competes hard. Saw Kootenay here today, and they're, they're getting better all the time. And uh, Lethbridge, obviously, with their run last year, and even after making all the trades, they're still a strong club. So I think uh, this year is going to be – a step up from last year, and uh, even the year after that, a lot of the teams in this division are going to be good teams. You know, uh, I, I hope you don't hate this type of question. I don't know you well enough yet, so I'm going to throw it at you anyway. <laughs> do you <laughs> do, do you have do you have an identity that you want your team to have, or are you more of a you know year by year? You got to you know you and Brad Lauer, your coach, are always talking, and you gotta you gotta see how the strengths roll out, roll out each year. Which which approach do you favor? I think, you know, we got to feel out our team a little bit this year and kind of see what we have um, to work with with our group. We obviously have an idea here, but now getting into exhibition, we'll be able to evaluate that more. But I do feel that uh, Brad and I are on the same page, that we want to we want to be a quick team. We want to transition well. We want to play with puck possession, and we want to be a team that, that can score goals. So that's kind of the style that we want to bring here forward. And uh, whether we're going to be able to do that 100% the way we want to this year, um, that's a question that's still obviously needs to be answered but uh with our younger players and the players that have been drafted the last couple of years that we feel that it's something that's coming well you know it's great kurt i love this discussion i you know i had brad in in studio on the show a couple of weeks ago and he, he talked about the playoffs in the nhl last year he was obviously on tampa bay's staff and uh washington you know fought him off a couple of shutouts in the last two games to advance and, and eventually win the stanley cup and he said uh, you know the Capitals uh, maybe were able to play a little bit more physical game when it when it got to crunch time at that type of year, and I guess that's the that's one of the things you have to learn about your players, isn't it? Is uh, especially when they're young like that, they're still figuring out their own personality. Sometimes is uh, who who might be willing to uh, take a little bit of extra pain and wake up in uncomfortable for six to eight weeks when it gets to the playoffs. That's one thing you got to learn about your guys too. No, for sure, exactly. It's some some you learn along the way, but I, I even in the, as you mentioned in the NHL, I mean Washington was a little bit more of a physical team, and that helped them down the stretch. Where watching the playoffs in the Western League last year, when I was Chicago, some of the teams, the better teams, obviously Swift Current and Everett, uh, Moose Jaw, these teams that had good runs, they they had that physical factor still. So I think even though the game's changing with the speed and the skill, there's still an element of of um, size and physicality that you still need to have on your team. Um, if you're going to be successful when it really comes down to crunch time as well. Yeah, body contact's not going anywhere. 
but but I, I, I'm not and I'm not disagreeing with the whole speed and pace thing because if you can't transition the puck out of your own end and get it up to your forwards quickly, you, you know you're toast. You're, you're just going to sit there and be outshot fifty to ten uh, every game. Uh, Kurt, uh, give fans here a, a sense of the schedule. We mentioned another one tomorrow, and what do you have? Two, uh, two or three more preseason games after this weekend? Yeah, next weekend we have two. We play uh, at the the downtown community rink in uh, Rogers Place next Friday night, and then we're off at Carstairs uh, to play in a, against the Hitman in a fundraiser game for the Stars um, Ambulance Fund there. And then uh, the, the week after that, we're at home uh, playing in St. Albert, actually, against Red Deer, so the three-game plus. Okay. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on so close to game time tonight. Uh, you guys are going to be fun to watch. Uh, you know, I think this is going to be the start of another uptick for the Oil Kings. Uh, I, I know it's... Uh, you know, I, I guess as a media guy, I can use it. it's 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 only preseason, but you're probably not approaching it that way. So so good luck tonight, and we'll talk again soon. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me anytime. That is Kurt Hill checking in tonight, the uh, new general manager of the Edmonton Oil Kings. They make some big changes in the offseason. Obviously, Randy Hanch uh, moved on to an NHL organization after being the GM for several years. And uh, Steve Hamilton, who uh, had been the head coach, goes to the Calgary Hitman and Brad Lauer, who I mentioned we had on the show uh, earlier this summer. He was really pl- a pleasure to talk to. He comes in as the new head coach. Uh, yeah, well, King, I mean, if you looked at the standings last year, most of the power was was in Saskatchewan. And uh, Swift Current obviously wound up winning the title. Didn't go great for them at the Memorial Cup. So uh, maybe the Oil Kings and some of the Alberta teams can start, start pushing a little bit harder now. Another field goal, 2.41 left in the first half. Montreal leading Ottawa. 9-1 as we keep an eye on the Canadian Football League. The Eskimos getting ready for the Stamps on Monday. Head coach Jason Moss knows it's a game that comes with tons of hype. I've never been shy about saying which games are, are I guess people who observe and say hey this is a big game I'm not, I'm not afraid to say yes it is mm-hmm. but at the end of the day I think as a professional athlete as a professional coach who coaches the team you want to make every game big and you want to make every moment big because that's generally you know when guys should play their best mm-hmm. so it's about challenging your guys each and every week to say hey yeah this is a big game but being up for every game, being up for every play, being up for practice, being up for all those things, that's what you strive to do. Uh, the magnitude of the game, as the season goes on and you win or you lose, games get bigger and bigger because of that. So uh, we all understand that you don't necessarily win or lose in August. It comes down to you know November, but all those games all year, you know, or September, I should say, you know, it's what you do in those months that really make November, October what it is and so you'd like to put yourself in position where you're winning a ton of games so that it comes down to those big moments later that means something but there's a lot of pressure put on you if you lose a lot of games because then you have to stay within it and you have to get into the playoffs so you know i'd rather our guys just focus on each play thinking about it being your last play and how you play that play and if our guys will just focus on that and put that pressure on themselves i'm fine with players putting pressure on themselves generally you see who rises to the top and that happens and ultimately we're all going to play in pressure games that's the way we got to believe so um you know i don't mind saying this is a big game because it is but at the end of the day you'd hope that our players practice and prepare like every game's that way a little bit from Jason Moss. Get more on the Eskimos page on 630Ched.com. We'll uh, get some good Labor Day memories and uh, other tales from former Eskimos punter Glenn Harper coming up after 7 o'clock tonight. You'll hear a little bit from Jay Woodcroft, former... 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Oilers assistant now taking the reins of the AHL team in Bakersfield. That's when we get back on Inside Sports. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. Well, we're rolling right into hockey, aren't we? We'll have football broadcasts on Monday and next Saturday, and then next Sunday, September 9th, we're putting Jack Michaels to work, calling play-by-play from Calgary Oilers rookies against the Flame rookies. We'll have a 1.30 pregame show face-off at 2 as uh, we get going with Oilers rookie camp next week, main camp starting in the middle of September. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chad, I'll get to the phone lines in a second here at 780-496-0063. Had a great chat with Nick Lewis last time, uh, last night, the leading receptions leader in uh, the history of the... That didn't sound very good. He's the all-time receptions leader in the CFL. That's what I meant to say. And uh, he was talking about the Eskimos offense uh, looking for big plays, maybe a little bit too much. It's set up that way. You know, they want to go downfield. And and I've always said with their offense, if you can stop them from hitting a deep play, uh, you have a great chance of keeping their, their score under 20. So do you... I mean, you were an offensive player, but do you think defense is like that? That, that they will sit there and say, fine, take a shot. Shot. We'll roll the dice if you're if you're going for low percentage plays. Just don't drive the ball on us. I mean, do you think because we've seen a couple teams blitz Riley and take away short passes and almost dare him to throw the ball deep? Oh yeah, and you know different teams are going to have different personnel, so they're going to be built to try to take away different things. Uh, I think if you can get pressure on Mike with four or five and. You know, and then try to play an umbrella over top and just not give give up the big play. Uh, force them to have to drive the field consecutively. It's something they're not used to doing. And, and the way that they're playing right now, Mike will probably start to throw the ball up and give his receiver chances to make those plays and might make some mistakes um, if the defenders can make the plays instead. A little bit there from Nick Lewis, who uh, also pointed out the Eskimos lead the league in uh, pass attempts going more than 20 yards down the field. Don't mind the big plays. You need them. They, they, they help you, but that's all the Eskimos really had in their last game, the loss to Hamilton. John is on the line, 780-496-0063. Nice to hear from you, John. Thanks, Rita. I've been thinking about our Eskimos and the offense, and I have to quote Winston Churchill uh, regarding this matter. The Edmonton Eskimos are a riddle inside a mystery inside an enigma and when you think about it Reed we have five world-class receivers an all-star quarterback a terrific running back an excellent offensive line and we went 30 minutes without scoring a single point and we only got 11 first downs not counting the two on penalties we got in a 60-minute game I mean the words that come to mind are unbelievable inexplicable <laughs> totally rigging mind-boggling i just uh i guess what i'm trying to say is i have no idea which eskimo team is going to show up for the next two games Reed. 
Well, I think that's fair. And in that game against Hamilton, they didn't score in the second half. Um, they, they actually could have won the game without scoring if they get a couple more first downs in the fourth quarter. They're, they had four drives in the fourth quarter that lasted three plays, three plays, three plays, and two plays. If they, get, if, they, if they get a couple more first downs, even earlier in the quarter, Hamilton would have run out of time. They, they wouldn't have had time to kick that field goal at the end. That was a fr- And you're right. I, you, you we're now at the point with the Eskimos where you, you kind of don't know uh, who's going to show up. They're, they're a bit of a feast or famine type team. Uh, it's nice when they feast, but they don't keep it very level uh, when it's not going well for them, and that's my big concern, especially well, against like the Stamps. I like Moss's philosophy. He has a nice turn of phrase. He says, oh, we just want to go out and beat the snot out of Calgary, so I'm all for that. <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, be, man. It's, uh, it hasn't I've been great. Head coach with a really, really basic philosophy, you know. Yeah, 2015, the Eskimos uh, beat Calgary three times. The Labor Day rematch later on in the regular season and then in the West Final. Other than that, really going back to 2011, they haven't had much success against the Stamps at all. John, yeah. thanks thanks for calling tonight, man. I look forward to hearing from you again, okay? Okay, thanks, Pete. That is John at 780-496-0063. Uh, Nick Lewis on the show last night, gave these as the keys for the Eskimos on Monday. I think the two things that Edmonton has to do well is, one, they have to get pressure on Bo with five five players. Uh, it's hard to bring blitzes on Calgary. Uh, they're very prepared, and they're able to get the ball out. Uh, the receivers are making big plays. You see what Kamar's doing. Um, and also, I believe on offense, you need to ball control the game because whenever you put Calgary in a situation like when Sass did and you ball control the game then now Calgary has to be the team to go out and make big plays when they're not really the big play team. They're more of the uh, methodical go down and score give our defense some rest uh, punt the ball. We'll score when we have great chances and they're going to do their play that game. So whenever they're doing that, that's the best way for them to play. And if Edmonton can keep the ball and make Bo become a big play guy, then they have a better chance of uh, getting some interceptions and, and doing that. Well, a little bit there from, from Nick Lewis, and that's what other defensives has, have tried to do to Riley, try to make him become a, a, a big play guy and throw deep. Now, the Eskimos do have the, the receivers that can do that. And, and I mean, talking about this, and somebody just texted in, hey, Reed, the Eskimos need a short game. What do you think? Well... It's like golf. It's great to drive the ball 300 yards, but you got to score around the green, too. Uh, I, I think variety is the spice of life on offense, and, I, and I'm not saying the Eskimos should not attempt big plays. I mean, that long one to Duke against Hamilton, if you have a quarterback good enough to scramble and keep the play alive and throw it downfield to a receiver who can beat his guys and, and you can score quick, I don't have a problem with that. But you have to have the ability to say, you know, we were, we're, they, they were never in second and short against Hamilton, so they weren't getting five, six, seven yards on first down. That was a, that was a problem. So, yeah, I mean, they got to establish some kind of running game or mix up the passes. Or I mean, I, I love those medium-range passes that go 8 to 15 yards downfield, the, the kinds where if your guy is tackled without running a yard, it's a first down or almost a guaranteed first down on a quarterback sneak the next play. And the Eskimos weren't able to do that. But, I mean, they know it. They're not coming out and saying, well, we're only going to throw deep. 
and uh, we're just going to keep chucking up low percentage balls. But they, but they found themselves stuck in that situation a few times this year. But, uh, you know, it's going to be tough against Calgary. But the way they played in the second half against Hamilton, it would be tough for the Eskimos to beat the St. Vincent School for pure, Poorly Coordinated Boys team. Right, so <laughs> they got to figure out a way to uh, to do it. Um, this texter says again, I'm not sure why the broadcasters insist on having the quarterback's cadence mic'd over the other sound uh, in, on the broadcast. That is hugely annoying. Well, I've said that before, and this texter obviously agrees with me. I'm not a fan of the live mic games on TSN, and and I will say this: I think they do a great job covering the league, and clearly. The, the, the TV deal does does a great job injecting a lot of money into the league. I, I, I could do without the live mics. For every little snippet of interesting information you might get, there's a lot where it's just, I, I agree, where it's just noise. But I guess they're not consulting neither me nor that texter about how they conduct their broadcasts. Jay Woodcroft is the new head coach of the Bakersfield Condors, the Oilers' farm team in the American Hockey League. For the last three years, he was an assistant to the Oilers, along with Todd McClellan. He joined Bob Stoffer on Oilers Now earlier today, and he talked about the importance of sharing a coaching philosophy with Todd McClellan. That advantage of understanding of exactly what uh, Todd wants and needs out of a player playing at the National Hockey League level, it's a real benefit not only for me to uh, impart that to these young guys, but uh, it's a benefit to those young players because uh, I would like uh, when a player gets called up uh, to not be surprised by anything, not be surprised by the pace of practice, not be surprised by what's expected of him as a personal or as a professional. And uh, I, you know, I want these players, I want to give, help give these tools along with our coaching staff, uh, give them the tools that they need to be successful, not for a game or for a week or for two weeks in the National Hockey League. We want to give them the tools to be successful uh, in years. It was interesting as well hearing Jay Woodcroft talk about last year's Oilers power play, which, as you all know very well, was 31st in the 31-team NHL, a huge drop-off from the previous season. Uh, Woodcroft said that there were some good good details about the power play, but they couldn't get the goals. We looked at our face-off percentage, which is key on power plays, whether you're starting with the puck. It was above our uh, standard average, which was a positive sign for our team, which has really struggled in the circle over the last few years. That was one of the things we looked at um, when we were entering uh, the other team zone, so our power play breakouts and entries were at the top of the league uh, in our ability to break down teams' uh, penalty kill four checks. When you looked at things like zone time, uh, shots per power play, um, chances per power play. We're all uh, well above the league average in those situations. So uh, as poor as the finishing result was, and believe me, like as I said at the start of the interview, uh, no one was happy with with where we finished. It's it's been a subject of a lot of thought and a lot of studies to make sure that we correct it organizationally going forward. No one was happy with that, but there were some good signs. Uh, We're looking to be able to, uh, not only in Edmonton, but also in Bakersfield, uh, continue to do some of those good things and increase our production or finishability on those power plays. 
Two years ago, the Oilers made the playoffs. Their power play was ninth, scored 56 goals. Last year, scored 31. Former Eskimos punter Glenn Harper standing by. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Six thirty, Chad. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.